Welcome to The Worst Bestsellers, where we read about the preteen sensations so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret by Judy Bloom. Joining us to discuss this spawn con for the Private Lady Company is writer and comedian Sarah Aswell, senior editor at Scary Mommy, who runs the Scary Mommy Book Club. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited you could join us. Uh, the Scary Mommy herself is here with us. <laughs> and I, I have to say um, to our listeners who may not be mommies, like, I'm not a mommy except to Duarte, and he's a cat. But the Scary Mommy Book Club is truly has great picks. It's a great group because Sarah's in charge of it. I think um, is why like because I like when you took the job and you were like everyone should join scary mommy because I'm the scary mommy now I was like okay but in my head I was kind of like I'm gonna mute this group because like I'm not a I'm not a mommy and I don't want to read like mommy books but then I was like oh this is cool like it's a cool book club and this is not spawn con this is my sincere opinion of the scary mommy book club putting it out there And no, there's tons of people who are not mommies in the Scary Mommy Book Club. It's related to our website, which is parenting related, but the book club is really for human beings who who like books. That should be the name of it, but it's not as catchy. Human beings who like books. I get it. Yeah, like this month, this month or next month, the uh, the next book is Yellow Face. Like that's a great pick. Right. Yeah, I'm really excited. <clears throat> that was actually a group pick. We vote on books twice a year. Um, and this was a voted book. And I was really happy to see it. Um, I read Yellow Face in like 24 hours. It's super intense. And there is tons to talk about. So excited for that conversation to happen. Yes. Um, and then and also at, at in part of your role as the scary mommy, you got to interview Judy Bloom, which is so thrilling. And um, we'll probably maybe talk about that in a little bit after we finish getting through the intro. But I was just so excited, as is as is typical of me being unable to get through the intro of the podcast without being distracted. But <laughs> there's so much to be distracted by. It's true, but it is. This is our first. If you couldn't guess from the fact that it is an iconic childhood title, uh, this is the first episode of this year's flashback summer. And if you are new to the podcast or just for some reason don't listen in the summer for whatever reason, uh, Flashback <laughs> Summer is an event that we do every year where we revisit either childhood books that are beloved by both of us or childhood books that are beloved by our uh, friends and listeners and kind of discuss, you know, why, what appealed to them, uh, what appealed to us about them as children, uh, if we think they still hold up our general feelings and thoughts about them. And uh, this one, as I'm sure you can tell, because again, super iconic title. Uh, this is one that we all have read before, some of us multiple times, and we're quite excited to talk about it. So for the next few months, buckle in for some uh, lighter fare from Worst Bestsellers, starting with a real classic. Yeah, and so, like, stop clutching your pearls. Like, those of you who are like, you put, are you there, God, me, Margaret, and worst in the same sentence, and how dare you? It is not the worst. I'm like, no, I know. Like, that's just the name of our podcast, and we can't change it seasonally. That would be very, (laughs) very confusing for our branding. So we're still worst bestsellers, but we would 
never say this book is worse. No. No. So that's that's our deal. Yeah. Um, this is also the part where we talk about um, if the book has any content warnings. And I just said too real childhood cringe. <laughs> but none of none of the real biggie ones are in this book. Yeah. So so I guess let's start out. I did not read this book probably when it was I was probably older than Intenda, and I read it because I think I read it for the first time in either eighth or ninth grade. It was like way after I had graduated from Judy Bloom. But at that point, it was kind of this like, oh, well, everyone talks about this book all the time, and I never read it when I was that age. And I used to take lunch in the library and would just fucking read whatever I felt like. Um, and one time, so it had to have been ninth grade, one time in the library, I was just like, I've never read this and it's right here on this like display. So I'll just read it. And that was the first time I read it. I have read it multiple times since then, including I, I will admit to you podcast listeners that I've, I've been very busy. <laughs> I did not have a chance to reread it before we record it, but I did reread it like five years ago. I think I would have talked about rereading it on this podcast. We were we were doing this podcast already when I, I have most recently reread it. So it's not that far. And I did sort of skip through and listen to a few parts um, this week. I just didn't have time to do the whole thing. But oh yeah, God. I as an adult, I would say this still holds up. What do you folks think? Hot take. Yes. I, I also... I don't remember the first time I read it. Like I, I liked Judy Bloom when I was a kid. This was not my favorite one, and rereading it now, I'm like, I think there's a couple of reasons why it didn't. Like reading it, I'm like, this is Judy Bloom is so masterful, and her characters are so real. And I think it was almost like, in some ways, too real to me. It felt like a little too personal, or I was like, this isn't exactly fun. But also, I really could not relate to Margaret and her friends being like, I can't wait to get my period. I can't wait to have boobs. Because when I was a kid, I was like, oh, no, thank you. That sounds unpleasant. And so that was really jarring to me as a kid to be like, oh, they want that? I don't know, man. How about you, Sarah? So I got this book as part of a box set when I was, I think, probably 10 or 12 and I had kind of the same experience. It was not my favorite in my Judy Bloom box set. I think it came with Forever, Blubber, mm. Are You There, God? And then I have no God. idea. What Blubber also too real. Too real. Too real. I think that one I is probably the one I read the most. And I should do a reread because I have no idea if it's still like good for children or not. But, mm. but I feel like I loved Are You There, God. I couldn't really relate to the religious stuff. I come from a family that's not religious at all, like Margaret, but also I just never have thought about it. So that wasn't as like a pertinent topic to me. I can understand waiting to get your period though, because I think I was like the last girl in my class to get my period. I had to lie about it for like a year. <laughs> oh no, it was funny. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> so um that was very relatable. Like I could not wait to get boobs and just catch up with everybody. Like 
to mm-hmm. just, you know, I wore a bra for no reason for probably like years. <laughs> well, because because you'd get kicked out of the club if you didn't. That <laughs> <Right. laughs> <laughs> was all really relatable um, for sure, I think. But I hadn't reread it for, let's see, I probably read it when I was 10. I'm 40 now. So I didn't read it for 30 years. Um, and now I have a 10 year old. So I'm in this weird space of like, now sharing it with my kids. So um, we did listen to it together and then watched the movie earlier this year. And that was a really cool experience. Yeah. How did how did your kids like it? So I was really curious. I, I didn't remember much about it. And I didn't know if it would hold up. But my my eight year old isn't at that point of um, mm. being interested in a lot of stuff in the book. Like, I think a lot changes between eight and 10. My 10-year-old acted too cool for it and then was totally drawn in by the entire thing. Um, and yes. she had the same experience that I did. Like, it was very similar. Like, all of the topics are still really important to a 10-year-old girl, um, especially, I think, the boy stuff, um, mm-hmm. the body stuff, and just, like, you know, uh, finding yourself uh, and your place in the world she was also obsessed with it being, and these are her words, historical fiction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, I thought I thought it was so smart that the movie was kept the 70s settings because some of like the feelings are pretty universal, but some of the details are so 70s. Um Although I should mention another reason that this book didn't hit for me when I was a kid is because they I had the version where the girlies were using sanitary napkins with belts and it was like a really confusing situation. And I was like, I don't this I've never seen this. I don't know what you're talking about. I can't imagine this. And then um, in the 90s, they updated it. And now they're just like sticky pads, you know, like like normal current ones. And I, I read an article, um, an interview with her of Judy Bloom, And she said, some people get really upset about this, but it has nothing to do with the story. No one uses belts anymore. Half the mothers haven't used them. Readers have to go to their grandmothers. Uh, I'd been thinking about it for a long time. Some people said, Oh no, it's a classic. You can't mess around with the classic. And I said, um, look, we're not messing around with the character. We're just messing around with the equipment. And that, I mean, yeah, it's a pretty small change, but it really helps. Yeah. And I think, so listening to the two of you talk, I think that the fact that I read it, you know, five or six years after I was going through what the characters in the book were going through was actually helpful to me as a reader because you know, I, because I was like 14 or 15 or whatever, when I first read it, 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 it was, I was looking at it kind of through this lens of like, ah, yes, like I can see how this would be helpful and appealing to, you know, a 10 year old girl. At, if I had read it when I was 10, like I, I had like sort of the opposite problem of you, Sarah, I got my period very early and very abruptly. And I was not prepared for that and I did I mean not not prepared like I had had sex ed in school and like my mom had talked to me about it but I I was not emotionally prepared for it and also 
Uh, I've been fat my whole life. I got boobs very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I was not ready for that. I was very tomboyish as a kid and did not like that at all. Um, so I think if I had read it when I was the same age as the characters, the problem of relating to the characters would have been a lot harder and would have been perhaps even off-putting to me. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh-huh. Yeah, I like I my mom had to be like, Renata, like you have to wear a bra now. Like it's same. they're they're like floppy, and I was like, I don't. <laughs> want to and she's like you have to because of society and so this issue of like desperately wanting to wear a bra that you don't need i was like what are you girl you don't know (laughs) by the way it occurred to me we we did jump in and assume that everyone in the world has read this because probably 97 percent of the world has read it but just in case you haven't hello it's about periods it's about margaret (laughs) (laughs) uh she has moved from new york to new jersey at the start of sixth grade and it's just like this real slice of life coming of age like year in the life where she makes friends with these semi nice semi mean girls they have a club called the preteen sensations aka pts's they they want boobs they want to wear bras they want their periods they want to talk about boys but they're a little nervous about the actual uh boy of it all and margaret uh is raised no religion because her mom is christian or her mom was raised christian and her dad was raised jewish and they're both of her grandparents freaked out about this like inter-religious marriage and so her parents gave it up and margaret is sort of curious about it. And so hence the title, hence most, most of the chapters have her little sort of like private prayer conversations with God, where she asks for stuff like her period and whatnot. And so it is, it is about her sort of religious exploration and trying to, you know, figure out what it, what it all means, which like Sarah, I also was raised no religion, um, but not, both my parents had been raised Christian and didn't like it. And so they were like, well, we're not doing that. One of my grandparents was upset about that and would occasionally try to take us to church, but it wasn't nearly as contentious as Margaret's situation. Yeah, I was, I was in fact raised Catholic and, but in a, in a very diverse area and in a very, and I think I've talked about this before too, like in a very uncommonly chill Catholic church. Like it was, it was not, it was not as strict as a lot of them. Like I, I had friends who came to CCD at my Catholic church because at their Catholic church, if your parents were divorced, you weren't allowed to go to CCD. Um, Whereas at our church, they're just like, fucking whatever. Like we'll take anyone. We don't even care what religion you are really. (laughs) You know, so it was, it was much more, and there was no like, there was no religion at home. Our our religion was we went to mass once a week, and <laughs> never talked about it or did anything else God related outside of that. You know, forty minutes of mass and then hour of CCD after school catechism classes once a week, and so it was like an hour and forty minutes a week of God, and then the rest of the time no one talked about it or gave a shit. And I, you know, I grew up in the New Jersey suburbs, so it was a really diverse area with a lot of different religious backgrounds of my friends and the people who I was around. 
you know, but, and, but I, I, I'm an atheist. <laughs> I've been an atheist since I was a child. Uh, you know, I, I just went to, to mass because that's what my parents asked me to do. And then I was confirmed and my parents said, do you want to keep going to mass? And I said, no, I don't believe in God. And they said, oh, okay. <laughs> and we stopped. Um, but the other, the other thing too that I was thinking of is the, I was funny because I was just telling the story to someone recently is that like all the stuff about boys obviously never has never rung true to me ever by the time i read this book i already knew i was a lesbian if i had read it when i was 10 i would not be aware of that yet but i i used to assume that the criteria for picking a crush on a boy was the boy who was the most tolerable <laughs> um, and i just assumed that that was how everyone picked their crushes on boys that you just were like, okay, well, this one's like not that smelly and doesn't like tease me and is kind of smart and funny. So I guess that means I have a crush on him. And it turns well, yeah, out. And I think, I think what, that's kind of where Margaret's at too. It turns out that yeah. what I had was lesbianism. Um, <laughs> Although that doesn't sound too far off. And maybe my daughter's a lesbian. I have no idea. But like. It doesn't sound too far off from like <clears throat> just the elementary school experience of being around boys. Like, <laughs> like my daughter seems to not want to be friends with any boys, um, but she does feel like everybody has to pick one that they think that they can have a crush on without being too embarrassed about it or something. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're socially acceptable say- crush. <laughs> Also, I was on a field trip with my daughter and there was a boy named Moose and ah. <laughs> I know. And I went up to the mom and I was like, Judy Bloom. And she was like, yeah, <laughs> so, there is a little boy named Moose running around Montana because of Judy. Oh. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's a good one. Right. Much, much better than naming, naming him Philip. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Phil. Yeah. Mm-mm. So I'm really interested to hear. I didn't get a chance to see the movie yet because I've been very busy, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I am. I've heard such good things about it. Like, I would love to hear about what you folks thought and how it differed from the book, and really anything you want to say about it. I'm here for you. Um, I, w- I went to see it, by the way, I did invite you and when I went and you were like, I'm too busy. And I was like, fine. But uh, <laughs> I, I want to be clear to the listeners that Kate had an opportunity. But she's busy. Uh, I, uh, I watched it when we had scheduled this, but I hadn't started my reread yet. And I watched it and I walked out of the theater and my like number one takeaway was like, oh my God, like, was I was I just reading the book through like child eye filters or was this really expanded? Because I never thought once about like how hard this all must have been for Margaret's mom. And I think the mom is such a like fully fleshed out and incredible character in the movie. And then rereading the book, I was like, no, the book, and this is correct for the book. It should be this way, but the book is very elected to Margaret's POV. We don't get a lot about the mom. And I think there were details added to the movie that made the mom so much more of a human being in her own right. And I just adored her. And of course she's, you know, it doesn't hurt that she's Rachel McAdams, obviously, but um, 
I had the same exact takeaway, although I, I reread the book and then I saw the movie the next day. And yeah, I loved that they made, I think both the mom and the grandma bigger yeah. characters. And I realized they probably did it because it's a really smart marketing move. There's a whole generation of people who love this book who are now in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, right? So we identify mm-hmm. with the mom character. They should have made her a bigger character. Um, same with the grandma. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was smart of them, like viewership-wise to do. But I also love that it showed sort of women during these three different moments in their lives. Um, I got to interview the director of the movie too, um, ah. Kelly Fremont Craig. She's super cool. But one of the things that Kelly was saying is that you do get these three snapshots and that there's a lot of fun, like compare and contrast that you can do between uh, Margaret and her mom in the movie. Um, One thing I noticed, but didn't, I didn't quite, what's the word? I didn't quite process it, but I noticed it was that Rachel McAdams doesn't wear a bra for the entire movie. And Ah. yeah. And it's this moment of like, you know, uh, Margaret is trying so hard to fit in, so hard to do anything to conform and to uh, check these gender role boxes. And her mom is in this place of getting to this, like, I don't want to, I don't know if it's quite a midlife crisis, but getting to this point of like self-acceptance and finding herself and taking her bra off and saying, you know what? I don't want to be a traditional mom. I don't want to be literally confined. Um, I'm going to let my tits hang out. And I really yeah. like that. Yes. And there's a, a a detail too that I I wasn't sure if it was a change or I just didn't remember. And it was a change where when they announced that they're moving to New Jersey, um, her mom is like, Oh, and because, you know, your dad got this promotion, we can have this house with the yard and I won't have to work anymore. I can be a stay at home mom for you. And Margaret's like, but you like your job. And her mom's like, yeah, but now I can, you know, make dinner and do all this stuff. And then we see like a little montage of like, her mom's not a good cook. She's not good at making dinner. Like she's sort of like losing it, trying to do interior decorating and stuff like that. And, uh, and one thing I, um, reading this now it's like the job that her mom had in the movie was that she was an art teacher and you know she's an artist and so we do still see her doing some paintings and in the book she's a painter as a hobby and the the book is pretty dismissive of her art actually like there's a line about um my mother gives away a whole bunch of pictures every christmas my father thinks they wind up in other people's attics like, it's just sort of this kind of, like, silly thing her mom does, which could just be, like, the child's interpretation and, like, what she's getting from her dad or whatever. But in the movie, it's, like, something she is good at and something that's really important to her. And by the end of Margaret's first school year in the suburbs, we see that her mom has gone back and gotten another job as an art teacher. And it's like, hell yes, mom. <laughs> totally. And I think that this was such a amazing opportunity for Judy Bloom to, you know, we talked about updating from sanitary belts to pads mm-hmm. and, and making this update for Judy, I think was really important. Um, speaking with her, like she loved this change and she also loved putting more emphasis on the grandma who mm-hmm. is, um, 
you know, more of an age that Judy Bloom is now and making the grandma a little more. I mean, in the book, she's amazing, but mm-hmm. they spend a little bit more time with her in the movie as well. So I'm really happy that they could do that, that they could make those little updates. Another thing that the the casting of the entire movie was so stunning, like those child actors, they mm-hmm. the performances were so vulnerable and like these these little girls like so seriously doing we must increase their bus like i i couldn't imagine and like when oh my god when little gatekeeping girl boss nancy wheeler like (laughs) makes out with the bedpost it was like she is committed these actors are committed it's i i can't like as as a kid that age i couldn't imagine doing that without you know shriveling of embarrassment which is why one of the many many reasons why i was not a child actor but they're (laughs) so good oh my god and also shout out their their teacher mr benedict who is a first year teacher and he is like a nervous wreck of a man both in the book and in the movie and i love him in the movie he's played by echo callum who's like my number one less well-known celebrity crush like he is so cute and when he like showed up as this nervous arc of a teacher i was like oh my like this is a treat for me (laughs) he is so cute he's so cute i just would i know him from anything he he was briefly in the arrowverse i think his character mr terrific briefly showed up in the legends but he wasn't a major player in the legends he was I don't know if you ever watched the show um, Grand Crew, which I loved, and I just found out it was canceled. I'm devastated. He was like the main boy in Grand Crew. He's he's very funny. He's very cute. I love him. I want the best for him. But you might not know who he is, Kate. Yeah, but. I'm looking at his uh, IMDb right now, and I don't think I know who he is, but I'm happy for you. He was Thank in two you. episodes of Legends as Mr. Terrific, but I don't remember that. Yeah, his presence on Arrow kept me watching Arrow for like at least a full season after I would have quit it otherwise because I was just like, oh, well, if he's here and he was really good casting. Great job. Well, I mean, the movie, I just I I started like tearing up like almost immediately. I was just sort of at a full state of like near crying just from in a way that I wasn't even expecting, because like I said, this book wasn't totally near and dear to my heart but i think like expanding it to seeing the different ages and just like i already said vulnerable but these these people these characters were like so vulnerable and so human and i was just like weeping at the state of the human condition i think for like two hours fully fully sober i should say (laughs) just 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 high and judy bloom weeping no i was definitely emotionally affected more than i thought I would be. And I watched it with my two kids. And I think that my older daughter was too. Like she, by the end, I think we all, it was so cool to see that it, like the book still works. Like it, mm-hmm. it or the story, the movie, it holds up. Um, one thing I thought my daughter said that was interesting was she was like, that movie felt like it took place in a different time, but at the very same time that it took place today. Yes. I think that's such a hard mood to capture, but they really did do it. Like it feels very modern and um, relevant, but it's also, 
in that 70s setting at the same exact time. Yeah. Yeah. You ha- you do have like the 70s, like feral children just wandering the neighborhood. Um, you do have Margaret being like, oh, my parents are so protective because they like fuss at me before sending me alone on the bus to New York. And I'm like, I don't think parents today would do that. I don't know. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, I guess parents today are different than parents when I was a kid. I was, yeah, Kate, you're old. I am old. I am. I am now 38 as of like two weeks ago. Um, I, I, I did go on the bus on my own starting at like 14, which is not that much older than Margaret, but. <laughs> but, but a significant, I mean, 14 and 11 yeah. are developmentally yeah, it is, pretty different. Yeah, it is very different. So. Oh, and we haven't talked about the Laura Danker of it all either. And that actress, too, is great. And so Laura Danker is, in some ways, the more relatable character to me because she is the girl in class who, like, developed early. She's tall. And, I mean, she's she's hotter than I ever was. And, I mean, that's weird because she's a child. But, like, she's more conventionally attractive than I was at that age. But, like, she's taller. She has the boobs. And the girls are, you know, well specifically nancy wheeler is like spreading little rumors about her and i thought that was really well captured in the movie too just the vibe of how you know margaret would go along with this and make these assumptions and and then when she does actually have to talk to laura danker and and to her horror uncover like another human with feelings that she has hurt like it's uh it's it's so well done it's so painful for everyone involved. Oh my God. Yeah. I think that's almost the most relatable part of the book for me. Like, I feel like, you know, there's these physical things that happen to you in puberty. Like you get your period, you get boobs, but the social emotional stuff that happens at that age is so intense. And it's really the first time that, you as an independent person have to deal with like, okay, what is gossip? Like what is social conflict? Like before this time you were just playing dolls and, you know, not even really thinking about who you're friends with or why you're friends with them. Um, And then it suddenly becomes important and it's suddenly, I don't know. It's like my daughter's going through this right now. It's suddenly like a friend turf war at school Mm -hmm. and you have to draw these allegiances and make these social decisions that are um, really difficult. And the only way to learn these social lessons, I think, is through messing up and feeling really, really bad about yourself for a while. And that's what we see with, with that situation, that part of growing up. Yeah. And and one thing I did also like about the movie is, and it's not a huge change, it's just a little addition where, you know, we have seen in the book as well as in the movie, like Margaret apologizes to Laura and says, you know, she, she hadn't, you know, thought about how it'd feel for like, you know, she apologizes. But then in the movie, both in the book and the movie, they have this like end of year carnival dance kind of thing at the school. And in the book, they just have it, and then Margaret goes out to lunch with the the PTSs, and it's fine. But in the movie, we see Margaret getting a little bit fed up with Nancy being like kind of a prima donna at the carnival and like hogging one of the games, and then she sees Laura standing by herself, and she just goes over 
and like starts like goofing off with with Laura a little bit. And it's not like, oh, now everything's perfect and we're best friends. But it is like the start. It's just like a little glimmer of like, oh, maybe next year Margaret and Laura become friends. I don't know. I just I loved it. I love that, too. And it's so subtle. I love that they didn't, like you said, make them best friends or resolve everything. Um, But they just had that little moment. Yeah. And that, oh, and also, by the way, in the movie, in the book, um, I think all the characters are sort of presumed white. I mean, Nancy is described as blonde. Like, she never describes anyone as um, a color. But in the movie, well, Mr. Benedict is Echo Kellum, who's black. And Janie, the fourth and kind of the quietest friend is black also. And I, um, and then we see Janie also peel off and go off and dance with Margaret and Laura. And I think, like, it's such a minor thing, but it really, um, having that character be black. Oh, and in the like church montage when not a, when Margaret is like trying out different churches, like we see her going to black, like a you know, majority black church with Janie and like loving the music there. And like when they have their getting ready for Norman's party, and we see, you know, Janie having her hair straightened. And it's just these like, it's, it's not a big change, but it adds this whole extra level to it that's, that's really you know and and like obviously i'm a white lady but i was like oh this is a cool layer to add and i can only imagine like watching it as a black woman would be great to see i imagine and i I think that yeah i think that adds to to like the social dynamic of like janie feeling maybe also as ostracized as margaret by nancy's nonsense and like the idea of those two being like quiet little because already in it like they were the like the lot the the ones who felt most like, oh, we're going to be the last ones to get our periods. Like, they're the ones who secretly go off together to to buy their teenage softies to practice. Like, I don't know. I, I really like that. And sorry, sorry, I think you were going to say something and I stepped on it because I want to talk more about Janie. What were you going to say? <laughs> oh, no, I was just so agree with you. Um, I, I love that, too. And I love how I feel like it's so hard to strike the balance between staying true to the book that you're adapting a movie from um but also making changes that make the book even better and there are very few movie adaptions i can think of that kind of um honor that the only one i can think of right now is the most recent little women adaption adaptation oh yeah yeah this is definitely in that same like ballpark yes it is and i gr- wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if it was influenced like staying true to the story, but also updating some of the social um, changes that have just happened over time um, in a way that makes sense for everybody and still preserves everything that's important in the book. Yeah. Cause you know, for, for this podcast, somewhat often we do read books and then be like, Oh, the movie was better. And that's <laughs> simply because the book was bad and it's easy to make it better. But in, in cases like this is like the book was excellent. What are you going to do? And then it's like, Oh, they did it. Oh my God. Uh, and I like, I don't even, I don't, I'm not going to say the movie is better, but I think for me, like as an adult, if you ask me to pick like one, like, I think I like the movie more, but of course the movie wouldn't exist without the book and the book is an undisputable classic, but the movie is just excellent. I really think you have Judy Bloom's permission to like the movie more. Like she <laughs> was 
in every step of the making of the movie, she was present on set. Um, she had a little cameo. I saw it and I like pointed out at like Leonardo DiCaprio me. I'm like, ah, <laughs> <It's her. laughs> but she really deeply approves of all the changes that were made of everything that happened on set. And I think that we, yeah, we're, we're okay to like the movie better because Judy made changes that she wanted to make too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, and going back also to just, like, the ages that we are and, like, the enhancement of the mom and grandma characters, it really, it genuinely feels like something for all ages in a way that really is for all ages and not just, like, when you call a children's movie all ages. Like, completely. Yeah. I agree. Was there, Sarah, I'm, like, so... I don't know if envious is the right word because I think I would have like frozen up entirely given even the ability to have interviewed Judy Bloom, um, who is such a, an important figure in my childhood, mostly through the fudge books. Um, but like, what was there anything else that you like? Tell tell us all about it, actually. Yeah, and, and and we'll we'll link to the interview, but also, yeah, Sarah, tell us tell us about it. Tell us any you know secrets that you have too. Well, to. <laughs> I I talk like Judy's my best friend now because I got to interview her, but it was short because she was doing press all day and it was a group interview. So it wasn't like we sat down and clasped our hands together and um, <laughs> had an intimate talk for 30 minutes, but I did get to ask her questions and um, like live in her presence for a few minutes. And she's just so wonderful. She's sharp as a tack. She's so like modern, you know, I, I don't know if that's a word that could describe it, but she seems so like, well, you know how older people could kind of like not stay up to date or not, um, not like live in the times. She's very yeah. much living in the time. She still, you know, dresses in style and knows what's all like, <laughs> she knows all these like modern references what was one thing one thing that she talked about that i thought was so interesting was just her experience becoming a famous author of children's ya books um in the 70s and 80s and how <laughs> she was just talking about how she lived on this cul-de-sac with a bunch of other moms and nobody cared nobody talked about it nobody said congratulations nobody was interested like she just i think she was so ahead of her time and didn't other people just didn't understand her at that time and i think it's so great that decades later she gets to bask in this um adoration of millions of women who she helped them through coming of age you know it's really wonderful that she's getting recognition for the hard work that she did a long time ago that makes me happy yes yeah and like because she owns a bookstore in key west and um i definitely wait is in key west is in florida i i think that's right but i'm not 100 percent sure 
as soon as I said, I was like, wait, I think Meg Cabot also lives in Key West. So either I'm confusing them or it's just literary paradise in Key West. Um, but she owns a bookstore. And I definitely know people who have like gone and made a little Florida pilgrimage to visit Judy Bloom's bookstore and been like, oh, my God, she was just like there at the counter. And it sounds like, you know, she kind of is living her best bookstore life and like like imagine you're in a bookstore and every day people come in and like you're amazing you changed my life like like i love that i want to cry just thinking about it to be honest yeah i'm so happy for her because you know like as we all know sometimes that's not the case and people like don't get this kind of recognition until like after they died or they never get it and (sighs) judy's getting her flowers yeah and i think ya generally is more respected now just gen- like by everyone and when she was writing it it just wasn't even like i don't think people considered her a real writer or a serious writer um but you've got to be to change that many lives i think yeah. yeah gosh okay um is there anything else we want to say about the book and or dame judy bloom before we move on oh you know i said that and i was like i do um when they have, we haven't really talked about their like mixed gender party at Norman Fishbane's house. And my number one question is Did anyone ever actually in real life play spin the bottle? I b- believe I've never played spin the bottle. I've played many other of like the like middle school, high school sort of. You know, we played a lot of Truth or Dare, played a lot of I've Never, sure. played a lot of, like, stuff like that. Um, I don't – I've never played Spin the Bottle, and I'm trying to remember. I do think, like, I remember hearing from a friend that Spin the Bottle happened at a party that she – that, like, was – because I also, like, when I was in middle school and high school, I had a very small group of nerdy friends, and that, like, I didn't really go to a lot of, like – big parties um but i do feel like i remember one of my friends in middle school saying that they had been at so-and-so's party and that a bunch of people played spin the bottle but she was too scared oh um i had a really really similar experience to the the book um which is this like this really unpopular girl this must have been in seventh grade had a birthday party and it was mixed gender and it was like the first time anyone had dared to do that and it was like a good move by her she's like i know how to get everyone to my house (laughs) (laughs) um and that's also norman fishbane yes it's actually you know now that i'm thinking about it this is like a lot of parallels so we all went (laughs) Um, I wasn't that popular either. I was in kind of like, I was always in the middle weird place. Um, and we played spin the bottle looking back. I have no idea where her parents were. Like, why was this happening in the house? But it was in her unfinished basement, still a little bit similar, except for the unfinished thing. And I got, I don't know if I spun or got spun on a pretty popular boy named Mac. And we d- we went like, there was like, it wasn't a closet, but it was just like, she had put a sheet up and you went behind the sheet <laughs> and it was horrifying. And we stood there for, I don't know, it was probably five seconds, but it felt like 10 minutes. 
And I finally like leaned over and kissed him on the cheek just so that we could leave the area. <laughs> um, and that was it. And we never spoke of it again. <laughs> that yeah. That is, yeah. Yeah. When they start, when Nan or when Margaret realizes like people are doing cheek kisses and she's so relieved, I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I have no idea what other people did behind the sheet. Like I've still to this day wonder if people were <laughs> um, making out or what. But I, sure I, I would guess you were not the only cheat because just a <laughs> <just to> guess. <laughs> I kind of though look back and I'm impressed at myself for like getting us out of that situation. Like I yeah. made the move and got us out. I hope Mac appreciates me. yeah i was you know it it, i i wasn't obviously perhaps the idea of doing any of the sort of like boy kissing game things even as we got like into puberty did not i did not really put myself in those situations because i just did not care um and then by the time i like figured out oh, maybe I'm a lesbian. I I had a series of girlfriends immediately. I think I've talked about this I on the podcast before too. It is a little embarrassing. Um, I was basically like serially monogamous <laughs> in the worst possible way you can imagine that being said, you know, from like a skeevy guy who's just like, yeah, I have a new girlfriend every week, but like we're monogamous. Um Oh, you you and Anthony Rapp, author of Without You? (laughs) From, like, the time I was 15 until just after I graduated from college. So I didn't really get into the, like, experimental, like, kissing games just for fun until I was in my mid-20s with my, like, a very particular subset of friends that I go to um, pop culture conventions with. (laughs) Where we would just be like, well, what if we all just are very drunk and and kissing in this bar? And so that was that was my late bloomer kissing games time in my life. I think I also definitely played spin the bottle in college in those situations. Very different. Yeah. Yeah. What I was going to ask Sarah is Sarah and I went to the same college, Grinnell College. Go Pioneers. And we had a a party every year like seniors had a party called 100 days that was like there's 100 days until graduation and the stated intent of the party was like get drunk and kiss anybody that you've wanted to kiss but haven't kissed and i went to it and i i don't know i didn't really have anyone in mind per se but i was just like oh it's a thing i'll go um and that was uh, the only only times I've ever kissed a woman, and it was just fine. It didn't awaken anything in me. But it, <laughs> um, anyway, Sarah did, but it, yeah, that that was the the only spin the bottle adjacent activity I've ever partaken in, and it was yeah very different. Um, did Sarah? Did you go to your hundred days? I did, and I had a fabulous time. Uh, <laughs> I I actually um I'm bi so I've dated men and women um but there's there was this one woman that I only had her in one class and but we had like have you ever just had like insane chemistry with someone you barely know yes and 
I felt that towards horror, even though like we had none of the same friends or interests, um, but we found each other at hundred days and made out against a wall for maybe like two minutes. And it was so good. It was like, (laughs) it's all real uh, and amazing. And then we never saw each other again until like maybe five years ago, she came to Missoula for like a work thing and we went out and had a beer and it was, it was great, but we didn't make out again. Anyway, but I don't know. Chemistry is real. Yeah. Kissing needs to be good. That was also in a basement. That's my theme. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) In the, in the worst smelling basement. Uh, okay. Well, let's, let's move on to our dramatic readings and, um, give you, give you just a little dose. Um, so Sarah's going to go first with, um, a meeting of the PTSs. Yeah. Um, I chose this passage because I feel like it's ingrained in the brains of, um, so many women across the world and, I don't know about everyone else, but when I reread it, it was exactly as I remembered it. It was just like, I, it's like my brain had taken a picture of these pages. So <laughs> here we go. After school, we went straight to Nancy's. Before we started our official meeting, we talked about Mr. Benedict and his project. We all agreed it was crazy and none of us could think of a single idea. Then Nancy called the role. Veronica? I'm here, Gretchen said. Kimberly, I'm here, Janie said. Mavis, I'm here, I said. And so am I, Alexandria. Nancy closed the rule book. Well, let's get to it. We all feel each other's backs to make sure we're wearing our bras. We all were. What size did you get, Janie? Gretchen asked. I got a go bra, Janie said. Me too, I said. Me too, Gretchen laughed. Not me, Nancy said proudly. Mine's a 32 double A. We were all impressed. (laughs) If you ever want to get out of those baby bras, you have to exercise, she told us. What kind of exercise, Gretchen said. Like this, Nancy said. She made fists, bent her arms at the elbow, and moved them back and forth, sticking her chest way out. She said, I must, I must, I must increase my bust. She said it over and over. We copied her movements and chanted with her. We must, we must, we must increase our bust. Good, Nancy told us. Do it 35 times a day and I promise you'll see the results. Now for our boy books, Gretchen said. Is everybody ready? We put our boy books on the floor and Nancy picked them up one at a time. She, eat, she reads each one and passed it around for the rest of us to see. Janie's was first. She had seven names listed. Number one was Philip Leroy. Gretchen had four names. Number one was Philip Leroy. Nancy listed 18 boys. I don't even know 18 boys. (laughs) Number one was Philip Leroy. When Nancy got to my boy book, she choked on an ice cube from her glass of cola. When she stopped choking, she read, number one, Philip Leroy. Everybody giggled. Number two, Jay Hassler. How come you picked him? I was getting mad. I mean, she didn't ask the others why they liked this one or that one, so why should I have to tell? I raised my eyebrow at Nancy, and then she looked away. She got the message. When we were through, Nancy opened her bedroom door. 
there were Evan and Moose eavesdropping. They followed us down the stairs and outside. When Nancy said, get lost, we're busy, Evan and Moose burst out laughing. They shouted, we must, we must, we must increase our bust. Then they fell on the grass and rolled over and over, laughing so hard, I hope they both wet their pants. <laughs> oh my gosh. I I we also should mention shout out to shout out to Margaret for being able to do the rocks people's eyebrow move. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going next and I am going to read a little bit about the uh private lady spawn con. <laughs> <laughs> and the reactions to it uh, by uh, the girls. So here we go. During the second week in January, Mr. Benedict announced that the sixth grade girls were going to see a movie on Friday afternoon. The sixth grade boys were not going to see the movie. At that time, they would have a discussion with the boys' gym teacher from the junior high. Nancy passed me a note. It said, here we go. The big deal sex movie. When I asked her about it, she told me the PTA sponsors it and it's called What Every Girl Should Know. When I went home, I told my mother, we're going to see a movie in school on Friday. I know, my mother said. I got a letter in the mail. It's about menstruation. I already know all about that. I know you know, my mother said, but it's important for all girls to see it in case their mothers haven't told them the facts. Oh. On Friday morning, there was a lot of giggling. Finally, at 2 o'clock, the girls lined up and we went to the auditorium. We took up the first three rows of seats. There was a lady on the stage dressed in a gray suit. She had a big behind. Also, she wore a hat. Hello, girls, she said. She clutched a hanky, which she waved at us sometimes. I'm here today to tell you about what every girl should know, brought to you as a courtesy of the private lady company. We'll talk some more after the film. Her voice was smooth like a radio announcer's. Then the lights went out and we saw the movie. The narrator of the film pronounced it menstruation. Remember, the voice said, it's menstruation. Gretchen, who was next to me, gave me a kick and I kicked Nancy on the other side. We held our hands over our mouths so we wouldn't laugh. The film told us about the ovaries and explained why girls menstruate. But it didn't tell us how it feels, except to say that it is not painful, which we knew anyway. That's a lie. Also, <laughs> it didn't really show a girl getting it. It just said how wonderful nature was and how we would soon become women and all of that. After the film, the lady in the gray suit asked if there were any questions. Nancy raised her hand, and when gray suit called on her, Nancy said, How about Tampax? Gray suit coughed into her hanky and said, we don't, we don't advise internal protection until you are considerably older. Then Gray Sue came down from the stage and passed out booklets called What Every Girl Should Know. The booklet re recommended that we use private lady sanitary supplies. It was like one big commercial. I made a mental note never to buy private lady things when and if I ever needed them. Four days after that, whenever, for days after that, whenever I looked at Gretchen or Janie or Nancy, we'd pretend to be saying menstruation. We laughed a lot. Mr. Benedict told us we'd have to settle down since we had a lot to learn before we'd be ready for seventh grade. 
Yeah, don't let private lady company tell you what to do, girls. And then I have the last dramatic reading, which is um, some letters between Margaret and her grandma, which said the episode we've just alluded to the grandma being awesome. I guess we haven't really like talked about the grandma. Grandma lives in New York. She is a Jewish widow who is seems to be wealthy. She pays for Margaret to go to summer camp and she takes her to Lincoln Center and Margaret and her grandma are like really close. And so moving away from grandma was a a big reason why Margaret didn't want to move to the suburbs. And so they talk on the phone, they write letters, um, which was, I mean, I love the grandma in this book. I didn't have this kind of relationship with any of my grandparents. So this was another like, can't really, but this grandma's great. So anyway, here's some, here's some letters. Dear grandma, I miss you. Florida sure sounds like fun. School is fine. So are mom and dad. I am fine too. I've only had one cold so far and two viruses. One was the throwing up kind. I forgot to tell you this over the phone, but when we went to Lincoln Center, there was slush all over the place so I couldn't sit by the fountain. I had to wear boots too, and my feet sweated during the concert. Mom wouldn't let me take them off the way you do. It snowed again yesterday. I bet you don't miss that, do you? But snow is more fun in New Jersey than in New York. For one thing, it's cleaner. Love, Margaret. Dear Margaret, I miss you too. Thank you for your nice letter. I hope when you were sick, your mother took you to a good doctor. If I had been home, I would have asked Dr. Cohen who he recommends in New Jersey. There must be one or two good doctors there. You probably caught cold because you kept your boots on at Lincoln Center. Your mother should know better. From now on, take off your boots the way we always do, no matter what your mother says. Only don't tell her I said so. I met a very nice man at my hotel. His name is Mr. Binneman. He comes from New York, too. We have dinner together and sometimes see a show. He is a widower with three children, all married. They think he should get married again. He thinks he should get married again. But I'm not saying anything. I hope your mother and father will let you come stay with me during spring vacation. Would you like that? I'm writing a letter to ask their permission. Be careful and dress warmly. Write to me again. All my love, Grandma. Dear Grandma, Mom and Dad say I can probably visit you during spring vacation, but that it's too soon to make definite plans. I'm so excited I could die. I'm counting the days already. I've never been on a plane, as you know. And Florida sounds like so much fun. Also, I want to see what's going on with you and that Mr. Binneman. You never tell us a thing when you call. I am fine. The snow melted. Mom is painting a new picture. This one is of apricots, grapes, and ivy leaves. Did I tell you my friends Nancy and Gretchen got their periods? See you soon, I hope. Love and kisses, Margaret. And I just, I love the just sort of like, random nature of this letter of like mom's painting a picture my friends got their periods love you bye and the way that the way that grandma like reading it as an adult and like seeing her in the movie i think i just didn't pick up on all this as a kid like these books are so singular in their characterizations where like this grandma is like passive aggressive jewish grandma to death and as a kid i think i was just like all right like Grandma wants you to go to the doctor or whatever, but just the specificity of like, if I were there, I would have asked my doctor, what doctor your parents should go to. And like, just reading between the lines as an adult reading this book, you're like, oh, I get why her parents are annoyed with grandma. But as a kid, you don't necessarily pick up on it. And again, I think the movie 
is really able to show all of that at every level. Chef's kiss all around. <sighs> okay. Um, let's move on to reader's advisory where we will suggest some books to read instead of, or in addition to, are you there? It's got me, Margaret. Um, movie wise, again, obviously recommend this book. Also, I would say turning red is another good, you know, relatable tween period discussion. Yes. I'm really so good. I also want to give a shout out to uh, the book Code Red by Joy McCulloch, who A, is a wonderful author, and B, this is a new book that I I want to call attention to for being trans-inclusive and pointing out that trans boys get periods sometimes. So um, that is one thing that, I mean, it's just from a different era. This book doesn't mention trans people at all. And I think it's very beloved by a lot of like cis women. Cause we grew up with it, but um, you know, just for the record, not, not everyone who gets a period is a woman and not every woman gets a period and etc. cetera. Um, so this is that book. Um, and I'm sure there's others, but code red is one that um, is, is explicitly trans inclusive and also talks about, period products and period poverty in a way that is um you know for this for this generation yeah um if you haven't obviously like Renata said like this is a recommend for this book if you have somehow haven't read it um also like my like I said I didn't read this until I was older but my like Judy Bloom like go-tos were the fudge books which I just I just loved (laughs) I loved the fudge books uh, so if you haven't read those, I haven't revisited those in probably about 15 years now. Um, but I did read them again when I was selling books. Um, and that was very jarring because they also made some updates, but they made like technology updates, which <laughs> were very like re- reading them as a 20 something. And it was like, and they took out their iPod or whatever. I was like, excuse me? Um, but they still, still held up, still loved those when I reread them like 15 years ago. I mentioned this was not my favorite Judy Bloom book when I was a kid. My favorite was, I feel like one that's a little bit lesser known and it's called Starring Sally J. Friedman as Herself. And, uh, you know, it's, it's about a, in some ways it's similar, you know, it's a, it's a 10 year old girl coming of age um with with jewish grandparents and i don't know it's just it it isn't so much about like periods and breasts in ways that were not relatable to me and it is just about you know this girl's life and her coming of age and her there is a a subplot where as a like as a young jewish girl she becomes obsessed with the idea that their neighbor might be um hitler in disguise which uh you know, again, a seventies, you know, era moment, but I don't know. That was, that was my favorite one. Um, how about you, Sarah? Um, <clears throat> I think my favorite one was forever. Um, mm. but I can't remember very much about it, even though I read it multiple times. I think that one's about a romance though. Um, yeah, I think that one's a little like the girl, the characters are a little bit older, right? Yeah, I think so. I should have done any uh, sort of research about no, that. This is, this is very on brand for us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I read this book um, 30 years ago. I read ago it a long time ago, and I'm sure it was good. Yes. <laughs> right. 
Um, as far as similar books to recommend, um, going from my experience and my daughter's experience, I got a shout out, and this is another timeless classic that I think everyone has read, but Anna Green Gables, I think captures the childhood experience in this timeless way that a lot of other books don't. And my daughter has really enjoyed, um, the side-by-side reading of the books and watching the Anne with the East. And with the E series, just like this, actually, and with and with an E is really updated. Like they add characters who aren't white. Um, they talk about some harder storylines, and there's a whole episode about Anne getting her period that is not in the books, obviously, um, but that is super real and good and amazing. And watching it with my daughter was super great. It started a whole conversation, and um, also like is a little bit of a glimpse to how it was to get your period in a totally different time period. Uh, and just thinks that she's bleeding to death. So, um, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but I got a shout out and, um, and then my other favorite coming of age YA book is the poet X. And yes. I only read that recently and I was completely blown away and immediately got the author's other books. Her name is escaping me at the moment. Elizabeth. Um, um, Acevedo. Acevedo. Thank you. Um, I love those books. They're also very rereadable and um, they also capture this sort of universal experience of the poet X is more about like first kisses and first relationships a little bit, but also finding your first passions in school. Um, and and the religious element too of like what parts yeah. of your religion do you agree with or not? And it also has an encouraging teacher who gives her a project, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's wonderful. I love that book. It's written lyrically. Um, and I believe the author's a slam poet. And yes. reading the audio is, or listening to the audio, I, I should say, is just a super wonderful experience to have either alone or with your kids. I Our our friend of the show, Bragg, is that um, friend of the show, Anna Cheddar, who's been a, a guest on the show, um, was on the Prince Committee the year that um, Poet X won the, the Prince Award, like... Which is which is a big deal in the library world, and it's a very deserving book. And she is very proud of that choice. And I'm I'm proud that I that I know someone who got to put a shiny gold medal on that book because it deserves it. Yeah, um, she obviously has amazing taste. I love her. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and uh, Elizabeth Acevedo has a I I think it's her first adult book coming out this summer. I think called Family Lore. Uh, I read an early copy and it slaps. And I think, I think that that book, if I were doing like an SAT, um, you know, what do they call it? it? Like that book is to, um, okay. So are you there? God, me and Margaret is to poet X as the are you there god movie is to family lore because it's intergenerational and it's got all the generations and you can see how these women are you know how the way they were raised is affecting the younger generation like much more um well intergenerationally i guess i will repeat the word 
uh, but it's it's lovely. I really liked it. That sounds so good. That sounds like a good scary mommy book pick. I'm gonna read that. Ooh, yes, yeah. It's um, I will also unlike Poet X, it also introduces a little bit more like magical realism elements, which I which I really liked. But um, it is a little bit different in flavor that way. But in a way that like I loved loved. Um, and That's and scary. yes, I agree. Would be a good scary mommy pick. Ooh. All right. Um, so we'll have all of these and maybe some other ones if we think of them up on our website, which is worstbestsellers.com. And now we'll move on to our favorite game, uh, which is called The Rock Paper Snicked. And Sarah, this is a game where Kate says who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book. And I'll say who Wolverine from X-Men would be if he were in this book. And you can choose which most enhances the book or you can choose paper, which is to leave the book as is. Um, and that's a perfectly respectable choice, especially in flashback summer. A lot of, I would say when we read worse books, it's pretty easy to improve them by putting an X-Men in them. I'm not so sure about this one. Um, so take it that. away, Kate. <laughs> if Dwayne The Rock Johnson were in this book, um, he would be a neighbor of Margaret's grandmother in New York and would occasionally accompany them to the theater or uh you know just spend some time with them you know he's a good neighbor he likes to check in on you know this woman living alone and uh you know he'd really be there for margaret and you know would be like this cool older guy who she could like form a bond with and yeah he would be he would be this great neighbor who you know would check in on her grandmother sometimes and you know but but still would would be there to offer margaret advice and occasionally hang out with them and it would be great um if wolverine were in this book he would be uh on the bus from new jersey to new york for reasons i know he's got to get back to new york and he lost his motorcycle and he um it exploded (laughs) and as we know from the book margaret's parents cautioned her you know try to sit by yourself or sit by a woman don't sit by a man but in this case the bus was full and she had to sit next to wolverine and he was not that stoked about it but he would uh, briefly allow her to make polite small talk with him enough that she learned his name is Logan and he's from Canada. And then the next time she had to write in her boy book, she would just write Logan parentheses from Canada in it just so that she could have someone in there that would seem a little bit mysterious that, you know, that, that Nancy wouldn't be able to write in her boy book because Nancy didn't know Logan from Canada, but Obviously, nothing would happen between her and Logan from Canada. It would just be another another name she could write in the book. And that's yeah. all. Or he could adopt her as one of his teenage girl wards. He could do that. But the thing is, she's got a good family. Got a she doesn't need life, yeah. that. Yeah. The way that some of the other girls need that. So Hear me yeah. out. What if Wolverine was like another boy in her class going through like Wolverine puberty. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) We we can have a different experience (laughs) parallel to hers. I don't don't know how Wolverine puberty works, but. I mean, the problem is I believe that he did go through puberty in like the 1800s, but (laughs) if we're already exploring this alternate canon, um, you know, I 
I would love to see that as well. <laughs> I'm going to text Judy about it. Um. <laughs> yeah. Can she authorize entering Margaret into the Marvel Cinematic Universe? <laughs> <laughs> or or we'll text Marvel and be like, can Logan enter the Judy Bloom Cinematic Universe? Yeah. Which I think is really what we want. Actually. <laughs> I think it's really fair if it goes both ways, though. Like, yeah. <laughs> we need to switch them, swap them out. <laughs> um, but seriously, I have to choose paper, obviously. Yeah. In yes. This, yeah. In this scenario, I'm I'm sorry to both The Rock and Wolverine. Hey, that's yeah. fine. No, it, it's just it's just a silly thought experiment to think we could even dare to improve on the book. Yeah, and this was <laughs> this was much harder too than some of the books that we do because it's like, well, I don't I don't actually want to change anything in the book. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> all right. About like adding the rock to a bunch of coho books and that actually sounds appealing oh yeah we've done that well yep. the one yeah <laughs> oh good thank you yeah. <laughs> yeah um i i every time somebody in scary mommy posts about coho i i'm just sitting there biting my tongue i'm like you know what this is i'm gonna stay out of it <laughs> just, but i have i have my own opinions <laughs> anyway speaking of Speaking of beings who have opinions, it is time for Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte shares his thoughts about the book. I mean, Duarte, you're so right that since they moved out to the suburbs, they they definitely could have gotten a cat in that in that bigger house that they had. And that that might have improved the book slightly, but you know, Mar Margaret's an only child, like, I don't know. She maybe she maybe wouldn't have um, had the most, I don't know what I'm saying, an only child would love a cat. You're just right, Dorte. She should have had a cat. <laughs> yeah, I agree, Dorte. You know, I can see how how maybe having a cat would have given her, you know, just some, some meditative time to just pet the cat and, you know, think over all of these things that were happening to her and, you know, feel like a real sense of solidarity and belonging with someone else in the times when she didn't feel like she, you know, fit in as well with the preteen sensations. But it's hard. It's hard to add to a classic. So once again, I will invite you to uh, fire up your AO3 profile, Duarte, and <laughs> write your version of Are You There? God, it's me, Margaret. I have a cat now, P.S. <laughs> it's me, Meowgaret. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, this is a stupid podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Are you there, God? It's me and my stupid podcast. <laughs> uh, those are my closing thoughts. Do any other humans have any closing thoughts? No. This is a good book. <laughs> uh okay well if you want to come find us online to you know uh i i have a real problem where i blurt out things that you could tell us about and i'm just like really biting my tongue like don't tell us anything gross just come tell <laughs> us um tell us who you would sit next to on the bus to new york um we're on facebook and instagram at Worst bestsellers spelled normally or on Twitter at worst bestseller with no S because um, the S was in the original text. And then when they changed it from 
from belts to pads, they cut out the S too, just to like modernize it and streamline it a little bit. Um, and so that's why we're that. You can find us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you do listen to us in any of those places, please take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it moves us up in the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. Uh, If you don't rate and review, we will sell your data to the private lady company and you will get (laughs) all kinds of ads. Oh, no. We also have a Patreon available at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers. Patreon is a service where you offer a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like keep our equipment up to date and keep our website running. And in exchange, there are all sorts of perks for you, like uh, a bonus episode about what me and Renata are into lately, uh, postcards and stickers in the mail, and all kinds of other things. We also have merch available, uh, which you can find by going to the Worst Best Sellers website at worstbestsellers.com and clicking on merch, where there will be all sorts of designs from our podcast that you can wear on your body. And finally, we do have a Discord server as well, which is also linked at worstbestsellers.com that you can come and join in, chat with other fans, see what's happening on Riverdale recently, see pictures of people's pets. Uh, It is a great place, and we encourage you to join it. Uh, I've been really disappointed in this season of Riverdale and, and I'm talking about it in the discord, but if you also want to talk to me just about Riverdale personally, I'm online at Renata snacks. I don't watch Riverdale and now Ted Lasso is over, but if you want to look at pictures of clouds and flowers, (laughs) you can find me on social media at 14 across. And Sarah, where can people find you if they want to hear more from you or more about Scary Mommy? Um, You can come join Scary Mommy Book Club on Instagram or Facebook at Scary Mommy Book Club. Uh, You can also follow me on Instagram. I post about books and comedy stuff. That's C-Swell. Excellent. Flashback. Sarah, thank you again. Oh, yeah. Flashback Summer will continue. I wanted to say again, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I've been wanting to ask you on the podcast for a while, and then this was such a perfect confluence. I'm so happy that it all worked out. Thank um, you my- so much for having me. I really enjoyed it, and um, I'll tell Judy everyone says hi next time <laughs> <Yes>. I talk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please do. Um, All right. So, yes, as Kate said, Flashback Summer will be continuing throughout the summer. We'll be back in two weeks with a book that is slightly somewhat less intergenerationally, internationally beloved than this one, but only by a little, I think. And it's (laughs) Help, uh, Help, I'm Trapped in My Teacher's Body by Todd Strasser. (laughs) So we'll we'll see you then. We won't as a podcast. You'll hear us then. Bye. She knows all these like modern references. Oh my god, every time I talk. I think it's my daughter's requesting screen time, but I don't know how to turn off the sound. <laughs> Just let them have screen time. <laughs> I did. Well, well, 
Kate was talking. I, I gave them screen time, but it's still making noises. Um, <laughs> read a book, girl. <laughs> <laughs>